Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast, where I am going to take you into a deep exploration of what it means to exist in this current reality. We are going to raise your vibes, open your mind, expand your heart, and dive deep into the wondrous mysteries and possibilities of this lifetime. There's been a spiritual catalyst that has set in motion the awakening process of many across the globe to return to the knowingness of self and unite what has been separated. Together, we're going to bring light into that darkness. We're going to remember the joy of living. But most of all, we're going to turn up the volume of our own eternal power and do the thing we're here to do. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Enlighten Up podcast. And let me just take this moment to wish you all a very happy Lionsgate portal as this airs on the 8-8. The portal opened up just a couple weeks ago, and it may be open for a little longer than August 12th, as last year it was open for much longer than that. This is a really important time for you guys to take advantage of the energies. Uh, You will likely be very well rewarded if you're doing your shadow work, if you're doing the work that you need to do, facing the obstacles, facing the challenges, not avoiding them. You will find great relief and enhancement with these Lionsgate portal energies. However, if you happen to be avoiding things and perhaps sticking your head in the sand, then you may find that your life is going through some disruptions right now. You may find some extra challenges that you're facing. This is what happens during the Lionsgate portal. And of course, if you want any extra information, you can go to my YouTube channel to watch the video I put out last week on this particular date, because there are some beautiful ceremonies and a channeled message that I have from my guide, Niet there. Today, however, as we are on this 8-8 portal, I am actually going to introduce you to a brand new guest to the show. Her name is Sue Frederick. She is an intuitive coach, ordained unity minister, a soul regression therapist, master numerologist, and she uses sacred numerology and mystical information to facilitate access into a divine lens to heal your life. So Sue, welcome to the show. Uh, so glad, so glad to have you here, especially during such a high energetic portal of light codes and things that come in to help activate us, um, elevate us, and of course, push us if we're needing a little push. Right. <laughs> so needed right now. So absolutely needed. You know, collective consciousness is such at such a tipping point you know, human mind, we'll call it crisis, but our souls know it's an amazing time of choosing the light, choosing the higher consciousness. Yes. Yes. And there's this, this particular time period is especially intense just because of, even in, we look at our star, star sky map, you know, there's a lot going on with the planet Pluto which happens to be all about our soul and our purpose and our path and transformation, which for all you guys out there listening, Sue's going to help enlighten all of you about your purpose, your path, and you know how to really discover all of that. And I think that's a really hot topic all the time. People love this. Mm-hmm. And so Sue, how did you first start working with numbers and numerology in a very sacred way? Yeah, well, I believe that we don't pay attention on earth. We don't wake up on earth until something hurts. <laughs> and then yes. suddenly, suddenly we start asking those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? You know, what is my purpose? So when I was 29, I was a mountain climber for Colorado Outward Bound. I led beautiful, huge groups of people up the 14,000 foot peaks, helping them overcome their fear. It was the 70s. And I was married to a beautiful mountain climbing man, Paul Frederick, my husband, and the most loving, kind, generous, spirited man I'd ever met. And we felt invincible that we were helping people overcome challenges and that's what life was about. And, um, and he was diagnosed with cancer and given two weeks to live and he was 32 and I was 29. And 
it became my sacred awakening portal. He lived for a year while we tried to heal him uh, through every means, alternative and conventional. And it, yet his lesson was that it was his soul's exit point and that I had agreed to walk it with him for my own inner learnings, my own spiritual growth. And when he crossed over on July 13th, uh, 1980, I opened into a portal of spiritual learning and teachings and he took me with him on a shared death experience to meet my guides and understand the divine order of this earth, even when it looks like it's not divinely in order. And through that, my first reading that a friend gave me as a gift was a numerology reading. And she sat down with me in an hour and explained my path my departed husband Paul's path, what our soul agreement was, why he had exited, why I was still here, and what my work was, changed my life in an hour. And it was 1980, so I decided I would find every way that I could to learn about numerology. There was no internet. <laughs> there was one book in the bookstore on it. And so I really began a path of inquiry, of keeping a notebook of everybody I knew's date of birth and their name and figuring out their path. And now, you know, I'm 40 years into the study of sac what I call sacred numerology, and it helps everyone remember their soul's purpose and their soul's journey. May I just say <laughs> that you look incredible for oh, your it's, age. <laughs> it's the lighting. Don't worry. It's all the lighting. <laughs> um, that, you know, that's an important little bit of information to receive during such a traumatic experience, um, loss. The, there's so much grief that we go through when there's a death, especially when you feel like you just started, you know, like yeah. you both had really just started your journey together. And most people would think that they have so much time. And how was it for you when you realized that that was an agreement that your soul made to uncover more of your own purpose well, and gifts? You know, I would love to say, ah, I was just kind of enlightened from then on, you know, <laughs> but that's not the human journey. The human journey is we have one foot in the earth realm and one foot in the divine realm. And we're trying to learn to navigate with these two awarenesses on earth. And it's really hard. And so, of course, I leaned way into my physical self because I had to get a new career. I was no longer going to be leading groups of mountain climbers. It just didn't feel at all right. And I was trying to figure out how to make my living in a meaningful way. And I was angry because my divine self was going, hey, this is all on purpose. It's all a soul agreement. And you're meant to be this spiritual teacher and writer. And my human side was going, what are you talking about? I can't pay my bills, you know, <laughs> like help me figure this out. And so I battled those two parts of myself a lot. And I would even say that that's necessary in our journey mm -hmm. where I would meditate every day and download all this amazing guidance and then go to a job that sort of diminished me and try to figure out how to hold on to that inner awareness until finally I hit my major. We hit many reinvention points, but my major one about 25 years ago where I said, everything had broken apart. I was a single mom. I couldn't pay my bills anymore because old my old writing career as a journalist had crashed and burned. And I said, please show me exactly what I'm here to do to make a living in my sacred purpose because my daughter is four years old and she needs a home and a mother and stability. And in that moment, I got so much clarity and the guys were like, Sue, how long are you going to bang your head against the wall before you realize that all that spiritual awareness you downloaded in 1980 and the numerology and the way you give it away for free to all your friends? Uh-uh, that's what you're supposed to be doing for a living. And I'd been raised by practical Southern people who just didn't give any homage to woo-woo. And suddenly my soul was going, you're going to step up and claim your woo-woo-ness as valid. And it was terrifying, but I did it. I launched my business doing what I do now, started writing books instantly, 
uh, found publishers miraculously and uh, never looked back. And it's been growing and tweaking and evolving now for 25 years. And I'm so grateful. Wow. I think that's something that a lot of people um, maybe don't realize is that when you actually do start taking the physical steps in this life, like your body's moving through the process of becoming the work that you're meant to do, that you're now holding a frequency that can be a match to find those that can help you even elevate it further. That's so important because you know, when we're vacillating, when we're saying, these are the truths that I know are real, and this is who I know I really am, versus, oh, but I have to just go and make a have a meaningless job to make a living, and we're separating ourselves like that. That's not who we came to be. That's not how this universe works. But the moment we say, I'm going to lean all in to who I came to be and how to make my living from that. Mm -hmm. The universe says, yes, she's waking up. That's what everyone on earth is supposed to be doing. That's the higher consciousness. And the minute we do it, I mean, I found I was offered a book contract by the most amazing New York publishers within a few months of doing my work because someone there read a newsletter I had written but I never expected that. I just said, my gosh, I hope I can pay my rent, you know, my mortgage, keep my house for my daughter. But but I started down the path and the universe said, this is what she's supposed to be doing. And doors opened that I could never have imagined. Yeah, there there is help, uh, but you have to help yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say yes. Yeah, you have to say yes. And yes comes in many forms. Yes to make the ultimate yes, you know, energy. And yes, isn't just about sitting on your meditation cushion and right. having the visions and feeling into it, which is all important. It's a, that's it's, our divine self. Yeah, that, that, that is divine. a definite, you know, that is a tool that yeah. you can use. And that is definitely your divine birthright to use. But you chose to be human. You chose so to you be came human. to be here and make your money, which is energy, mm-hmm. through the exchange of your highest gifts. Yes. Yes. Now, did you have any guilt about receiving money for your gifts? Because I know that, you know, there's there's different kind of perceptions and beliefs in the spiritual community. And and I've talked about this a lot on my podcast, but I'm just curious from your perspective. I think it's the greatest myth on this human realm that says, oh, if this is a gift, then you're supposed to share it for free. So you could even just get angry about that and think that came from the churches who always, you know, centuries ago, who wanted to be in charge of people's spiritual growth and wanted to be able to be the money center. (laughs) The Catholic Church started that actually rewrote the original text of the Bible to write out reincarnation and all kinds of sacred things Jesus had taught in order to tell people they needed a priest to help them connect. And so that negative belief said, if you have gifts, then you have to go, you know, do them for free because making your living is a different thing. And only the Catholic church can, uh, and now the Christian fundamentalist churches can take money for that. So when we shift to this higher consciousness, we're aware that everyone here has a spiritual gift and a spiritual wisdom. And we're each here to do that as our unique way of making money in the world. And that will shift everything that'll destroy the soul sucking jobs as for example the reason ai is happening is to get us out of a lot of those soul sucking jobs and force us to claim our unique gifts and mm-hmm. create whatever path we need to create to make them how we make our living yeah i think ai is great um <laughs> it yeah. has helped me a lot in my business mm-hmm. um to relieve me of work that is just not it's not where my time should be spent. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think it's got eh, with everything, everything's got some negatives and positives to it. It's just a matter of how you choose to, to use it and the belief system and intentions that you go into it. It's just like with anything else in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So using numerology, numerology made such a huge impact on your life and your purpose. How do you use it in a sense? Like, because for instance, I always knew that when I was born, you know, I looked at my birth, my birth date, and they tell you how to calculate your number. And I knew my life path was a number eight. You can kind of look it up online and kind of see some little things like that. But how do you go deeper than that um, with your clients? So first of all, let me say there's a whole lot of numerology out there that I totally disagree with. And, And one of them is the idea, which I've heard a very famous numerologist who's probably the most famous numerologist talk about where she says, no, there's no pre-planned life that is reflected in numerology. She says, no, we're just all randomly landing in the universe and whatever that numerological imprint of our random date of birth is, it gets imprinted on us and we're sort of victims to it according to her point of view and my life has been devoted to spiritual study more than even numerology what is this universe made of how does it work is there a god do we have a soul plan and in my numerology what i'm very clear about after all these years is that the soul nicole we you and i were hanging out in those divine realms we'd already had some human lives And we were watching things unfold down here in the human realm. And we both said, they're a little bit (laughs) in trouble. They really need some angelic wisdom down there. How can we each come in and bring that gift to the world in our unique way? And you chose, Nicole, the strong, unstoppable energy of the Taurus 8 path. And your soul said, In other lifetimes, I've hidden who I am. I've been afraid of prosecution or not getting love or whatever reason. And this lifetime, nothing will stop me. I will own my power in every way. And then I will make it my life's work when I'm ready to shift consciousness on earth and get others to own their spiritual power as well. And that's your journey. Your soul chose it for the life plan for your mission here. And it's inner interrelated in a way that can't be separated from your soul making a plan for this life. Yeah. And that, that obviously resonates a lot um, with everything that I'm doing. And I know my audience will understand how that all ties in and relates. And so when you you take someone's birthday and you get their number and then you see what month they're born in. Does that apply to everyone then? Like, so everyone who's a Taurus with an eight? No, no. So then I meditate before I work with a client, I do their chart, especially outlining all their nine year reinvention cycles, which is by far one of the most helpful uh, ways to do a soul review on earth while you're in the body is to look at your nine year reinvention cycle. So I outline that. And then before the session even starts, I meditate on that and I call in that soul's primary guide and I say, please download the words for me to help this soul remember who they are and move forward. And so I write it, automatic writing in my meditation. And it comes through uniquely for every person and yet also aligned with their soul mission And if they are grieving a departed loved one, because I work with 90% grieving clients, um, I will ask their departed loved one to give me very specific guidance for this soul that they will recognize as the departed loved one and will feel guided and healed by. And so I'll get a download of writing for them. And then the session starts and then I share that and we have a very deep and meaningful, powerful conversation. Okay. So it's, it's a blend of your unique gifts and the numerology that you've learned. It's a blend of tapping into the wisdom that is available to all of us in the highest realms, but using for me, the numbers as the portal to that. Other people have different portals, different gateways for it. The numbers were handed to me at the age of 29 as a gift and and an awakening, which I also think I had studied in other lives, Mm -hmm. but because it just came to me so clearly and beautifully. 
Um, but yeah, sacred numerology, the reason I call it sacred is it has to be in, it has to be blended with guidance from the highest realms. And so if someone were to come to you and they give you their birthday and you um, are able to see, you know, their month or their, their numbers and you start going in and downloading information for them, how, how specific, like from your past clients, what sort of specific framework are you given that gives them the clarity on how to move forward in their life? They get everything from an understanding of the soul agreement of their departed loved one, why that soul had to leave early, what they're still here to do, and even a love relationship that broke their heart. We can look at the soul agreement. What was what was your soul learning from that? Why did your soul choose that relationship that broke your heart? Those are such important awakenings that come through in numerology, but then mostly so helpful to look at your nine-year reinvention cycles because then people go, so for example, Nicole, you're in a nine personal year this year. It's an ending of a cycle and you're next year stepping into the most powerful manifestation cycle of your true work, your beautiful energy on this podcast and your books and all of this is all shifting up to another level next year. And when we go back and review those nine year moments, we go, Oh, wow, my whole life changed. I got I went, you know, lost a job, I doubted myself and my worthiness, or someone broke my heart. And I thought I was doing something wrong. I thought it was my fault. And now as I go back and look, wow, that was a pre-programmed reinvention point designed by my soul to help me wake up. And it changes everything about how we look at our lives. Yeah. I Am I in a nine or am I in a one? Because I thought I had just finished my nine year and I'm entering into a one, but I could be wrong. No, that's because somebody probably told you that it changes on your birth date. I do it differently. Oh, it okay. changes in January when the calendar year changes because it's based on the numerological energy of the calendar year gotcha. we're in mm -hmm. blending with our own unique path vibration gotcha. so you're you you'll be done with this nine year in january but you're going to feel it coming to an end in the fall and you'll feel more of the energy of the new showing you the vision and helping you move forward even in the fall. And then in January, it's a definite energetic shift that we all feel in January as we fully align with the new personal year that the new calendar year has brought in. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, been a big change. I'm really changing a lot of different ways of how I'm doing my work and how I'm envisioning everything and um really scaling it in a completely different way so um that really resonates with me a lot the the you also can see people's um soulmate yeah or talk a little bit about that because i think that's something that a lot of people oh, i know a lot of people are interested in uh and understanding like how do you see who they're soulmate yes. is for their for their particular um, well i'll say that my first two books that came out 20 something years ago were i see your dream job where i applied numerology to career and career reinvention and then i see your soulmate which applied numerology and intuition to finding that soul partner that you agreed to be with in this lifetime but there's many components of that, meaning that, for example, you, Nicole, and me as well, we were required to find our own true path first. And then the soulmate agreement with the partner is allowed to show up to accompany us and support us in that great, great work. It's different from somebody who may have just come to learn from relationships or to overcome different things but when you've come in for an unusual and unique work to offer the world 
often we're not allowed to find our soulmate until we've said yes to that path. So we won't be distracted. And mm -hmm. once we say yes, then that soulmate is allowed to come. Okay. And by saying yes, like really stepping into it, like not into just saying it. yes and dipping your toe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not just saying, Hey, I have this terrible job, but you know, on the side for free, I'll do your numerology chart. That's not okay. it. <laughs> and, and how do you help someone find their true love kind of soulmate that was kind of through a soul agreement before stepping into this lifetime? Well, there's often a lot of meditations you can do and that I teach that are also in my books where you ask to talk to this soul and find out what's going on with them when they're going to be ready. You're doing it in energy, not in words and you're finding out who they are what their vibration is but the most important piece i tell to everybody and people don't like to hear this mm -hmm. is that you have to first get on your path if you're looking for that true love partner that soul agreement for highest good they're not going to join you until you've said yes to who you really are and you're not hiding from the world. It's like holding up a sign, you know, suddenly here I am, I'm doing my true work, I'm on path. And they're like, oh, there they are. And they can find you energetically. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like going to the airport and, and, you know, picking someone up from the airport and you're like hiding behind a pillar, expecting them right. to find you. <laughs> And, you know, you're trying to show up as sexy or physical in the physical state that we think is real. And, you know, this is who I am. I just am this physical being. That's not going to attract your soul agreement soulmate because that person's coming in looking for your soul and your soul mm -hmm. vibration. And until that's who you're showing up as and that's who you're authentically being, you can't attract that true soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I literally just posted on my Instagram and TikTok this morning, a little um, clip of how there's so many people that, you know, they're raising their dating standards, which is, is so good. You know, that's, it's needed. You got to raise your standards, but they're not going that one step further, which is an absolute crucial, critical step in the process of asking, are they at the level that they need to be for their yes. ideal partner to want to choose them? You just said exactly what I've taught for decades. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it's important because it's so great to like sit there and fantasize about who your greatest partner would be. But then like, you kind of got to get back down to reality and ask yourself, would they actually choose me where I'm at right now? Yeah, and I mean, how I behave, you know, one of the myths of this human realm is that, oh, we just picture who we want to fall in love with and picture what they'll be to us and how they'll love us and then we'll manifest them. Well, what trumps all of that is the life plan you designed for highest good and highest growth before this lifetime began. So for example, I met Paul in my 20s. He was by even my current beautiful husband who loves me. We raised our kids together. He would agree that Paul was my primary soulmate in this life because he brought me to my greatest spiritual awakening, right? But I was, when I met him, I thought, oh, it's forever and ever and ever. And it's family and kids and love. But that's not what I came to experience or do or learn, or I would not be the person I am in my 70s. I would have surrendered to a lot of old negative patterns that my ancestral lineage and my own soul's journey were trying to break in this life. And it was only by having my life broken wide open in my 20s that I was able to change some essential things about myself and my patterns to become my higher expression of self and then have more love later on to bring in family. Yes. Oh, I really, I really relate to that because, um, I feel the same has been for me in, um, you know, for, for all my, most of my twenties, you know, and even my early thirties, I wasn't even sure I would want a family or children or anything like that. And then mid thirties, something shifted and I felt something awakening. And from that point on, it's been this journey. It's been about a 10 year journey of getting more in alignment with those 
mother energies, the feminine um, energies, the healed energies, and really kind of, you know, I had to go through a lot of my own inner child healing to be able to become the mother um, capable of connecting with my children. I think the way my soul plan has designed for me, but also I've gone through, um, you know, a lot of different reproductive issues, um, Mm -hmm. including miscarriage. And uh, it's only come into my awareness in the last, I would say, six months to a year uh, through a, a deeper integration of healing through plant medicine that I had to go also through, uh, we were briefly chatting about this before we hit the record button of understanding the womb space and the power center of it and the portal that it is. And it's being the, one of the greatest portals, if not the greatest portal on this planet for all life and connecting with everything that is beyond, um, this reality and doing that work and connecting with the womb space and learning how to increase the fertility of that center, not just for childbirth, but for the creation of all things that you wish for in your life has been a big part of my work and is continuing to move in that direction even more as fertility seems to be coming more and more into the forefront of my work that I didn't ever realize it was going to be, um, that I am now, I am now in a position where I think children are very much a big possibility, but I had to go through all of that yeah. first before I was allowed or ready to go on to that next part. And let me add a little piece to that beautiful story. Um, I was in my forties and had been told I could never have kids. And I had surrendered to that. And it was grief, a lot of grief about letting go of the dream. And yet I had opened then fully to the idea that I am a spiritual teacher and student, and I'm going to, I'm going to live up to that potential and be grateful for that. And it was in that inner spiritual work that it cleared out some negative patterns of mine. And I worked, I even lived intensely in an ashram for a few years, doing a whole lot of amazing meditation work, energy work with a teacher, very profound, powerful stuff. And suddenly in my mid forties, I got pregnant and it was such a miracle, Nicole, because I was dating a man long distance, rarely seeing him using birth control. (laughs) And suddenly I was pregnant and the, but I knew before I got pregnant because my daughter came to me in a dream and I had a pre-birth vision of her. She gave me her soul agreement there where she, I, she pulled me into this huge white house, all empty rooms, but beautiful white rooms and into this one room where she was leaning against a wall and she was this beautiful little girl with blonde hair and brown eyes. And I flew up to her and I said, are you going to be my baby? And she said, I'm your baby girl. And I said, what's your name? And she said, something soft like Sarah. And I said, oh, Sarah, I just want you to know that I truly love you. And she, her essence dropped her childlike demeanor and looked at me and she was an ancient soul. And she looked at me and said, and I really love you. And I woke up going, I'm pregnant and I have a baby girl named Sarah and she's coming and she's going to be beautiful. And everybody was like, Sue, you're in your forties. Are you a week late in your period? You're probably going through menopause, you know, but it was my baby girl and she was born miraculously perfect. And she is now 30 years old and she's been the greatest gift of my life. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That gives, that just really settles into my own heart um, very deeply because I keep seeing my son. There you go. He keeps showing up in every single one of my journeys. And the last journey I had, which I've only really shared with um, very close friends, I've not really shared this with my audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I was told that I'm going to be pregnant very, very soon. 
very good. And, um, to be, to get prepared. And then I was shown, I did tell my audience this part. I was shown an ancient Egyptian fertility, um, ceremony that the women would do in the temples of Egypt, uh, to connect with the soul, to guide them in to their womb space before the act of conception would even occur. And, I started singing a song to him and it left through a portal into the cosmos to find him. And as he came in, I then saw behind him was a girl oh. and she was coming in with him. And um, so great. I don't, we'll see how it all turns out. I don't know if they're coming in together, together or right. back well, to back, but let me share something, Nicole. You won't believe how parallel our journeys are. When Sarah was in that room telling me that she was coming to be my baby girl, I then glanced over and there was a little boy leaning against the wall, but he was kind of distant, like he wasn't right next to Sarah. And it wasn't it wasn't shown to me that he was going to come through me, but he was part of I guess you could say the soul collective here in this room of me and Sarah and this little boy. And as I looked at him right before I left and and woke up, he just nodded, like tipped his head to me. And years and years later, I'm raising my daughter as a single mom. And I am standing outside of the first and second grade classrooms that were combined in the school we went, they went to. And this man comes up and starts talking to me about his son in this class with my daughter. And I heard his voice and knew this was somehow my soulmate. I mean, without even turning and looking at him. And then we had this sort of superficial conversation in the doorway, two parents looking at their kids. And I could hardly speak because I was like, this is the life partner to build my life around now. And his son, Kai, was in the room with Sarah in the classroom. And a year later, he and I had moved in together and created the most beautiful family. Both of those kids are grown now. And Kai is such a part of my soul posse. And he was in that room a little distant from Sarah. So that's probably similar to the kind of message you're getting. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that, that is really profound and um, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is something that we're going to see more and more um, in our reality with women, uh, as they connect more to their feminine energy again, and they connect more to these what that's what that's actually part of the work that I was showing them to do is to help women connect to the the soul that is incoming for them, especially those who are having trouble with fertility. And so, um, me going through all of these things was important for me to be able to then, um, help others go through that process. But I think that I I know this to be true very much in that I believe we're in times where those of us who have lived through the ancient civilizations, which a lot of people here have, Mm -hmm. but are really ready to open up and connect to it, are going to bring forward these ancient technologies and ceremonies and merge them with our modern um, ceremonies and technology today to uh, not recreate it, but to level it up even further and take it into new ways. And let me add a little piece about that is that the souls who are coming to earth now, the young, the new babies, the, I would say even the children up to th- the age of 30 are the most highly evolved souls that have ever come to earth. And they are forcing an awakening here on earth. They are our teachers And so if we're trying to be a mom and we're thinking of children in the very limited negative way of, oh, I'm going to teach them this and I'm going to make them be this way or behave that or believe this, that paradigm is gone. Mm -hmm. But if we're saying, I am open to my soul teacher who wants to come in through me and change this world and help me change and grow 
that's who I'm open to. That's who I'm calling in. Those souls are going, oh yeah, we're looking for portals like this, exactly like this. Cause oh, they was, do not. That's so cool. Okay. So yeah, neither of you and I, we didn't realize a conversation was going to go down this path. Right. Right. But, um, so when I, I released my womb of activation course, um, mm-hmm. early, uh, earlier this year, and as I was preparing it, which I prepared in like just under three weeks, it all came through in downloads and it was just, I just worked and it came all through beautifully while I created one of the meditations and activations in that course. Um, I got all this downloaded information that doing these ceremonies increases the womb frequency so that you are able to carry in and bring forward these higher frequency souls that are coming into earth. Yes. So this is one of the, I don't want to say this is the only reason because it's not, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons why some of us women are miscarrying is because we're not holding a high enough frequency in our womb space to carry the high frequency soul that's coming in. And there's another parallel in this and that when I was living in the ashram and had given up the idea of being a mom, the teacher was working on me with kundalini energy, waking up the portals in me that had shut down through pain and everything growing up and with Paul's death. And he was like pulling, literally pulling stagnant old energy out of my aura. And he would say, you still have this gray cloud of grief. And he would do a lot of kundalini work to help me release that and so all of my we would do like week-long silent meditation retreats where we would be raising our kundalini energy and our vibration and it was through that that I was shifted into the higher frequency he certainly didn't know it was about increasing fertility but Absolutely, it was because it was within that time frame that I suddenly and miraculously got pregnant. So for the listeners to know, there's many ways that we can raise our frequency and clear out the old energy, the negative energy. We just have to find the one that's available to us and that resonates with us. It could be meditation work, kundalini, sacred practices from ancient traditions, it can be so many different ways that we portal up our energy to accept these highly evolved souls. Yeah. And the Kundalini is so important because it is the goddess energy right. within all of us. Right. And to, in order to um, create whatever it might be in your life, not even just a child, uh, yes. you know, but to create anything, the more fertile your sacral center is, okay, that energetic womb space that we all have, the more fertile it is with that Kundalini energy, just permeating and filling and just growing in there. And, and it, I mean, it's constantly moving and, and moving through you, but you can like really increase the potency of that, yes. that when you do go to manifest things and create things they are coming in at such a higher frequency level than you could ever imagine. Absolutely. And that's what this tipping point of consciousness going back to my vision here, if I could share that, that's really what this time is that we're all in, in the moment. So, so back in 2014, I was teaching grief. I still teach grief shifting workshops where it's like a three day thing. The room is filled with grieving people, often many grieving parents. And we go on a process together of meditation and raising our vibration and connecting to the spirit world. And each attendee is guided to download guidance and written word from their departed. And they have an amazing paradigm shift as they are able to hear their departed speaking to them and write it. It's better than going to a medium who tells you what's happening because now you know you can access that. So anyway, I was doing those workshops. I was doing one at Kripalu in Massachusetts and I lived in Colorado. So it was a long involved flight home, you know, and by the time I got home in that particular time in 2014, I was very worn down and I got sick and I was running like 104 degrees of fever and um, really just out of my body for most of it. And 
on the third night of that high fever, I was taken out and held by the guides and the angels. It was such a clear, loving presence that I could feel them talking to me and holding me. And they were holding me in space, if you can see this picture, up to look at planet Earth. And they were showing me that on planet Earth, there was light and dark, but that there were these huge beams of light sparking and shooting up into space and i said to them or i asked them what are, what are those light beams and they said every time a soul wakes up on earth to a higher vibration of love compassion and spiritual awareness they spark that light that shoots out into the universe and awakens many people near them to the light and they were showing me this moving river of light around the earth of light sparking, sparking and filling in all the dark crevices. And they said, Sue, here's what's true about earth. When you're in the mundane of your everyday life, you get caught in the, the minutia of that life. And you don't know that the light and the love is the most powerful thing and that it's always winning on earth. You see the dark places and you get disturbed by that. But when people pull back through meditation or spiritual practice or however they do it, they can see that the light on earth is always winning. The love is always winning. They were just like drilling this into me for 12 hours. And as I woke up, I felt so filled with unconditional love and empowerment, and I couldn't explain it to my family. They were like, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, I was talked to by God and the angels, and they were like, do we need to take you to the ER? You know, I'm like, no, no. So I got my laptop, and I just started writing it and writing what they were saying, and they continued to download it through me. And that's what became my newest book, Through a Divine Lens. So what they're saying is that right now the light is winning, but it doesn't appear that way from the earth perspective, but that the way we re remember it is we've got to have some sacred practices that we do every day that pull us back to that bigger view of understanding the goodness of this divine order universe. I think that if everyone were still comfortable, then the light wouldn't be winning. <laughs> right. I agree. There is no growth until we're in pain. And that's the answering to the question that people say, why is there suffering on earth? Because in the divine realms, there's no suffering. It's unconditional love and learning and grace. But this is a new vibration here on earth. It's a heavier, denser vibration. But once we can lift it, we are going to shift it. There'll be no veil separating the worlds, and we will be able to live fully on this earth realm in complete awareness of our divine godness and of our connection as souls. And that's what we're doing. We're pushing the earth vibration higher to enable this transition to happen of the, of the parting of the veil. And that's why we have to wake up. It's almost like if we could think about this earth as our entire womb space that we all live in, and we're all seeds of fertility, awakening and strengthening its frequency, um, helping it to raise its frequency to allow for such a reality to exist here. I'm so glad you said that because what else, what I really believe, and I'm, I've been trying to teach it in my classes is that this cosmos you see here that they were showing me is the world is in all of us as well. Yeah. And as we shift our vibration, the light within our cosmos that's inside of us is winning. And then the world sees it and honors us and allows us, like opens the door for us to do our great work. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> as within, so without, you know, you can't. Right. Yeah, it must be um, as above, so below. So, right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You mentioned to me uh, that you also can tap into the angelic realm and perhaps even channel some messages yeah. for us. And I was wondering if we could, if I could ask you like around what this topic that we've been discussing and this mm -hmm. idea of um, 
in the realm of awakening and becoming a higher frequency portal, okay, uh, on this planet, could you ask the angelic realm? Because when I, every time I'm going into my journeys and I'm, I'm going through a ceremony that is seeding my womb, which anyone could have men and men as well. And it is to increase the fertility and nourish that space to birth what it is that I need to birth. And I don't think it's just about a child. I think it's about my greatest work. And um, I think a child is part of that. Could you could ask them about how these ceremonies in other realms work with our soul and the effects that it can have in um, bringing forth that? Yeah, there is a dense energy that has accumulated over centuries on earth as humans have learned how to be more survival uh, happy on earth, making their lives comfortable, playing the money game, playing the success game. And while all of that looks good on the outside, it is all completely irrelevant in the soul wisdom, in the soul game. And so now the human collective is going through a dismantling of the ego, a dismantling of the identities that we have wrapped around ourselves to feel comfortable, a dismantling of this false self-esteem so that we can get in touch with soul esteem. So much more powerful comes from the heart all about how well do I love and put out compassion and embrace my God consciousness to do my highest work of helping others rather than how do I accumulate and gather and succeed and have power over others. All of those paradigms are shifting. And so whatever practices come to us in this moment, whatever prayers, whatever meditations, if they are about this deeper understanding that we are profound souls to teach love and compassion in this dense, competitive, lost realm of humanity, then those ceremonies will take place and shift hundreds and thousands of people more than a single person can reach in a lifetime because the ceremony will reverberate out to affect the vibration of the whole planet. And so it is. Wow. And so it enhances, it amplifies. And it makes it so it can reach more people. I mean, that's what I often think about my work is, you know, I I worked with thousands of individual clients, but that's not enough. And I've gotten a ton of books out there, but still that hasn't really gotten enough, I think, in my view of it. And so as this world now really needs us, If we find these ways to, for me, it might be speaking at a big conference or something for you, it could be developing these ceremonies that are done on a stage in front of a huge crowd in order to get the ripple effect of that awakening for you, TV, media on a bigger platform, you know, your YouTube channel, whatever it is you do, these platforms, these channels are calling us to get our vibrational work out to even the dark corners of this universe that really need it. Yeah. And this is, this is really important. I love, I love where this podcast has gone (laughs) (laughs) for everyone who's listening. Um, because we've just moved through a very polarizing period um, within our within our world. We're still and, in it. <laughs> yes, it's still there. But I mean, what I found is learning how to find that state of neutrality within the polarity yes. is where you are um, able to amplify and strengthen the work that you're meant to do here. And in many ways, the polarity... Uh, the extreme polarities that we've been feeling and still are feeling uh, are teachers yeah. for us. And let me just um, add to that because I've I've thought and written about it so much lately that 
back when, you know, I was a child of the 60s. And so we marched against the war. We marched for women's rights. We did all of this loud and proud stuff about our opinions. And back then, when consciousness was in a different state, those things actually did help shift awakenings here on earth. Now we've gone to a higher learning, which is ideas of the mind are irrelevant. We're here to learn to get past all of that and realize the beauty of the soul who might be in front of us promoting hatred or division or all those things we just want to intellectually condemn, right? No longer is the game about who's right and who's wrong. The game now is how do I love everyone as a powerful divine being, no matter how they're showing up in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge paradigm shift. And it's the point of all of this conflict. And I would, I would say that it's, it's necessary. It's, it's necessary, necessary to truly know how to unconditionally embrace another as a divine being. You have to see the whole of them yes. and be willing to accept it, even the, the bad parts. And this is something that I think is, is why, um, you know, the healing journey for each individual is all about, you know, reclaiming these soul fractals that we've denied of ourselves that we've said, don't like that part of me. That part of me can't be with me because it's either gone through too much pain or it's a part of me. I don't like, I'm going to disown my, I'm going to disown this fractal. And you can't really truly embrace that love as a divine being you know, if you're not willing to love the whole of you. And so we're learning through these polarizing times, how do we still love one another despite the differences? Actually, how do we love each other because of our differences? So let me share a, a way that I also have downloaded recently. Is this what this is about? When we leave the body through death and our soul lifts out of the physical world, the first thing that happens to us is we're given a soul review and it's done completely lovingly by our guides, our angelic beings who hold us and say, oh, look at this lifetime you just lived. And in a very loving way with no self-hatred or anything or guilt, we're shown all the people we've helped and loved and the ripple effect of that and all the people we've hurt or wounded and the ripple effect of that and that soul uh, review is shown to us in a way that we can accept it and not be just like oh my god I'm a horrible person but instead say oh I understand now mm -hmm. and then able to decide if we're going to come back to try to live more in alignment with that or to work from the higher realms. But what's happening with the thinning of the thinning of veil, being asked to do the soul review while we're here on earth in the body, which is why so many people are having moments of self-doubt, anxiety, depression, going, I'm seeing all the mistakes I've made. I'm seeing all the flaws in my own personality and character but we're still being held by the guides to see, yes, see that, accept it so that you can realize now on earth that loving from the heart is what you've always came to do. And the way you do it in your soul review is you see the backstory of everybody who hurt you in that soul review to where you understand their pain. For example, I work with parents whose child was killed by a drunk driver. And in that moment of soul review, they see, oh, wow, that driver came from such a long pain story and even had a soul agreement with my child in a previous life. And this was an energetic, intentional shift that had to happen to awaken so many of us. And they see it now with pure forgiveness, compassion, and understanding. That's what we're all being asked to see our lives as right now. Okay. That I've never heard that before. And I really like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's, it's like, um, so <laughs> I'm kind of like, I've always lived my life as in, well, I'm not going to wait 
to retire to start living my life. Right. Like, I want to do all the things I would do in retirement now, you yeah. know, and I feel like that's a kind of similar attitude is like, mm-hmm. let's not wait till the end to do the soul review. Yeah. Let's do the soul review in tandem with our life. Right. That's also oh. how numerology helps so much because I show the client this page of their birth path and where all their reinvention points have been. And from the soul's view, we go back and discuss it. So it's not from the ego lens or the way psychology looks at it. You know, psychology really needs a shift up to a higher vibration. But rather than saying, oh, my father was a narcissist, the soul goes, oh, look at that backstory of pain your father carried and gee, in a past life, you had even wounded them. And so now in this life, you came to heal it by learning to love them anyway, forgive them anyway, not to get bogged down in that pain story of your childhood, but to realize how you're supposed to use that wisdom to help others. Now we're able to do the soul review on earth and we don't carry a story of how we were wounded, abused, betrayed, all that wonderful stuff that people love to get stuck in. And instead we say, what a lifetime this has been. I agreed to so many moments of awakening and I've dabbled in my own self-indulgent pain for a while, but then I've always chosen the light and eventually awakened to my higher self of love and compassion. Yeah. You know, it's (laughs) sometimes I've wondered if, um, we're either high or drunk as a soul when we're planning our soul. <laughs> right. I know. I agree. 100%. You know, like either like on some sort of version of plant medicine that would be right. up in those realms where oh, you just that's get how these, it is. You don't yeah. have pain in the divine realm. So you go, no, oh, yeah, but also I'll you get this like that. really heightened hero like energy. Of, right. yeah, I can totally do that. I can totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember after Paul died and I had had a childhood, you know, where my mother could couldn't love me. She still can't love me. And I've totally processed that. And I understand it, that she's my child and all these things. But by the time I met Paul, I was still kind of carrying that wound with me. And then Paul crosses over. And I had these moments of saying, I made a mistake. If these were all soul agreements, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. And there was even a point at that point in my life where I moved to Mexico and just taught fitness because I said, I don't want anything to do with human life. And the farthest I can get away is to go into a country that doesn't even speak English and and not talk or think, just jump up and down in an aerobic studio. But you know, what happens is we get pulled back into mm-hmm. our path, but yes, the guides are always laughing going, no, you know, you can go take a little detour now because of your pain, but this is what you signed up for and there's no escaping it. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of people we'll are in resistance you. to that. A lot of yeah. people are like, no, I did not. You cannot tell me I asked for this, you know, but their and- conscious mind didn't, their mm-hmm. conscious mind did not like when I work with a grieving mom and she says, oh, I never would have agreed to lose mm-hmm. my child. Of course you're right. Your conscious mind would never agree to that. But we don't have a conscious mind in the divine realms. We have an all-knowing soul awareness. And so we see the bigger picture, this divine view. And so from there we go, I'm willing to go through that loss so that when I'm down there, look at all the people I can help with what I learned from that journey. Mm. And that's how we agree to it, not from the conscious mind. Yes, exactly. And this is even you can take that down to an earthly level of like, that's why I chose an alcoholic boyfriend, you know, or I chose a boyfriend who was going to cheat on me. I didn't consciously choose him. I unconsciously chose him because that little girl inside me that's buried in the unconscious and subconscious realms of my mind needed me to go through these lessons to overcome them and, yes. you know, get to this place. So it's very similar. In, in, and in also that. the body chooses certain challenges and illnesses. For example, your fertility journey, Nicole, is something your soul chose. So you would get your work up to this level. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't had 
fertility issues, you wouldn't be bringing this important information to the world about the vibration of the womb and fertility as a new paradigm. You wouldn't be doing it. So you agreed to all of that. That's what's hard for us to grasp here, that we would agree to any kind of suffering. But again, you got to pull out of the minutia, you got to pull out of the ego view, and you've just got to rise up and look at it from this higher view to understand it. Yeah. And people just have to go to remember that in order for that light to come through, you got to break open, you know, and so... Uh, crack yourself open. Well, Sue, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Please let my audience know, um, show them your book once again and where they can get it. And then of course, where, how they can get in contact with you. My book is Through a Divine Lens, but they can find all my books on Amazon. I've had 11 books published, including a sacred numerology workbook that will help anybody listening figure out their birth path and how I look at the numbers. That's on Amazon. But my website is suefrederick.com. And if they go to suefrederick.com, they'll see upcoming classes, sign up for sessions with me, all the book links to go and purchase those books on Amazon, and also my blog, some writings. Oh, and my YouTube channel where I talk about all these things. So it's all available through my website, suefrederick.com, and my YouTube channel at suefrederick. Beautiful. Everyone go check it out. And I, I mean, I'm sure you can all feel whether you're listening or, or watching uh, this podcast that you can feel Sue's energy and she's just a beautiful beacon of light here and she's still got so much to offer this world. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your light and your beauty with all of us today. And to all of you also remember, like if you're, if you're interested in the womb of activation course, I'm going to leave links for that in the description below as well. It's all about, I love this because I do feel like we're heading into a paradigm of fertility. It's all awaiting us in completely new ways. Um, And so if you're interested in that course, it's there. And of course, everyone, don't forget, there are a few tickets left for my forbidden journey retreat here in Colorado. And I would love to have you be a part of it. One of the ceremonies that I have been um, working on to facilitate with you at the retreat is coming through my guide, Niet, and I'm going to take you through an ancient Egyptian ceremonial um, uh, ceremony (laughs) at this retreat. So I'm going to be helping you increase the fertility of your field uh, through that. So I'd love to have you there. Uh, Tickets um, are in the link descriptions below this video or in the show notes of the podcast. Sue, thank you again for being here and to everyone else, have a wonderful evening and a wonderful Lionsgate portal. Don't be afraid of doing your work because that's how you're going to get your rewards and move up into the levels of this beautiful cosmic atmosphere that we are meant to be in. I love you and I'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining me for another show on the Enlighten Up podcast. I love you guys so much for all of your continued support. So remember to raise your vibe, find your tribe and be open to the infinite possibilities held in the mysteries that surround us all. Thanks again for sharing the show with your family and friends. And if you're new to the show and you need to find out more information about me, please head on over to my website, NicoleFrolic.com, where you can join my newsletter. And please follow me on Instagram, Telegram, and YouTube. Keep your light bright and I'll see you next week.